Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Chapter 12, we're going to continue through a little series that we've been doing called Hurts, Habits, and Hangups. This is a phrase that we use every Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery. And I thought to introduce some of you perhaps to Celebrate Recovery or kind of uh, get the mission out or get the word out that you need to participate in Celebrate Recovery, I would go along with that tagline and develop some sermons around that. And so today I'm going to be talking about that second word, and that is habits. And I want to talk through uh, what the Bible has to say is how we can overcome habits in our life. How many of you would be honest with me this morning and just raise your hand and say, I have a habit that I need to drop? How many of you... Uh, that habit that you need to drop is right beside you. <laughs> I get, I get, I get. Oh, now it's beside. Yeah, okay. I know we all have habits, uh, and and I'm not talking about like good routines, good habits in your life. I'm talking about those bad habits, uh, whether it be something as minor as you bite your nails way too often. Uh, I can't remember the knucklehead who asked me if I wanted a pedicure yesterday. I'm like, bro, you don't do you know me? First of all, I ain't got no money for that kind of stuff. And number two, like, I bite my fingernails down to the nose, man. I mean, it's a nervous habit. I've been doing it since I was like four years old. I saw my dad doing it, but he overcame his uh, habit, didn't he? Yeah, he did, but I haven't. So my dad's a little bit more spiritual than I am. And so I was doing some research on habits, and I come across this list of some habits that I'm going to just go ahead and say that we are probably all doing, and here's what the research is going to suggest, that they are making our brains dumber. Are you ready for some encouragement this morning? <laughs> all right, here's the first thing that I saw, that one of the first habits that they listed was that eating too much sugar is, I know, is... is is the leading cause of you getting dumber. <laughs> Yale, don't yell, but the University of Yale, uh, the University of Yale, they came out with this research uh, in mice. Now, I don't, I don't understand. It's like, how are you going to test a, a mouse whether or not it's getting dumber or smarter? I, that's pretty dumb in my opinion. But, but they found that they, they gave them more fructose sugar and the mice that they gave more fructose sugar, uh, they began to like forget their surroundings, forget about the treadmill, I guess, that they're supposed to, or the roundabout thing that they're doing. What are those things called? Sure, that too. Uh, moving right along since that point uh, went so great. Um, multitasking is, is bad, and it's making you dumber. Uh, the research at the Institute of Psychiatry at the University of London found that multitasking with electronic media caused as much of a decrease in IQ as smoking marijuana does or much sleep or as much as sleeping very little. Y'all, this is just what the research says, all right? Um, <clears throat> all right, we, we ain't getting there yet. Uh, always on your phone or tablet. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, obviously, not enough sleep. 
Uh, here, here's one that I'm guilty of, taking on tasks that stress you out. <laughs> taking on tasks. Some of you are like, so do I need to quit my job? <laughs> quit your job. <laughs> and don't get food. And don't, don't live, survive, because you're not living with me. Uh, here's another one. Skipping the gym is actually known to... Um, uh, here's what it says. In moderate intensity aerobic exercise, it's found that it can develop new neurons and help old neurons. I mean, like, what is a neuron? I don't know. But anyway, it's just what the, that's just what the research uh, said. So uh, before I get to the Bible, let me, let me talk to you just about habits and, and again, more science for you. I didn't know I was so smart. Um, I didn't either, but okay. So science, this is what science says, how habits are formed, okay? You ready for this? So we got to turn our brains on. I had to turn my brain on a lot just to get this in my head because it's still just like it wants my head to explode. Um, do you remember when, I'll, I'll use an example. Do you remember when you were learning to drive? Or do you remember teaching a teenager how to drive? Um, that's another sermon in another day. Uh, you know, you put your foot here, you put your hands on uh, 10 and 4, or 10, 10, 4, that's not right, 10, 2, sure, that too. I mean, you can do 10, 4, you'd be run, run, roll like this. Um, you may drive like that, I don't know. But see, once those steps, uh, you start learning those steps, they become routine, and they become patterns. Now, here's the interesting thing about patterns. Pattern is how you get to your job every morning or every night, and you don't even remember how you got there. You ever done that before? You ever drove to the office or to wherever you work, and you're like, where'd the past 10 minutes of my life go? Well, your brain just kind of gets in this mode where it just begins to shut down, and that's because you're in a pattern in life. And so here's what one doctor said about, about all this stuff uh, forming uh, into your brain, that a habit has three things. It's a cue, a pattern, which is what we just talked about, and reward. So in this case, the cue is you actually igniting, or, or the ignition, that's not igniting. Uh, you don't ignite a car, you ignite a bomb. Uh, ign the ignition, you triggering the car, like you're starting the car, that's the cue, right? And then the pattern is you're actually driving, and then the reward is when dopamine is released into your body because you've driven to where you want to go. And whether that's like Taco Bell or your job because you're so excited that dopamine is like filling your body and you get to get money. Amen? Is that how you're all feeling when you go to your job? <laughs> right. And so you get this reward, and it's all based of this cue, this pattern, and this reward. Now, the problem is, is when this reward turns into a craving, all right? So, so here's what a craving does. A craving is, is you get a sense of the reward before the reward is even there, all right? So, so here's what my body does. Before I even taste that first sip of coffee, like I feel the Holy Spirit coming into my veins and my blood, and I feel like God has made me alive, right? I have a craving for this, so I can already smell it, and I can already taste it before it even gets in my body. 
It's why you can even taste the chocolate. I don't eat chocolate, but I'm, I'm supposing this is most of you. You taste the chocolate before it even comes into your mouth. This is a craving, right? Now, the problem is when those cravings are for something that is controlling your life. This is called a habit. Well, the habit can be good or the habit can be bad. So we find ourselves in a text in Romans chapter 12 where Paul is going to deal with a people who were going to have to change up a routine, change up a habit system so that they can do uh, serve a purpose. And this purpose was ultimately uh, the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And so if, you, if you're there, say amen or something. Okay. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to pick it up in verse 1, and I'm just going to read through verse 8. Therefore, all right, now, now, got to pause for just a second. You should know this, right, where I'm even going with this. When you see the therefore, this is simple rules of studying your Bible. You ask the question, what's the therefore? Actually, only one person has studied their Bible. What's the therefore? Therefore. So what Paul is doing is he is connecting some big idea that he has just presented to the church of Rome. And he's about to intersect it with this brand new idea. And what was the idea or what was that that Paul was just talking about? He had just presented this case or this universal indictment that you are all sinners. And the penalty of your sin is death that all have sinned. And you deserve the penalty of the sin, and the penalty of your sin is death. And so Paul has laid out this theology of your nature that the law has you accursed. But that's not all, though. So what does Paul do? Paul gives a resolution to this, that despite this death, this penalty that you and I both deserve because of our sin, here comes Christ Jesus who absorbed that wrath on our behalf and made us alive that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here's Paul giving us this rich theology, this rich doctrine of God. If you look at chapter 11, and he's telling us all these incredible things about who God is and who you are. But despite who you are, here comes Christ, and he makes you heirs of him. And despite who you are, if you are in Christ, then nothing can separate you from his love, according to Romans chapter 8. And so, therefore, all of that, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. That's an important, important word, mercies of God. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think, Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts of one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, 
In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That's also an important uh, phrase right there. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If, if exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy and cheerfulness. So Paul knows that here's what's going on in the context here, that there were Jews, there were Gentiles, and there were all these other different types of people who were coming together as the church. And Paul understood that there was going to have to be some routines that were going to have to be broken in order for this unity to be, uh, be the foremost thing uh, of the church here. I mean, if you think about uh, the context of our culture today, you think about the racism, you think about the issues that we have today, like magnify that by 100 in the early church. And Paul understood this. And he's like, we've got a lot of racism. We've got a lot of cultural differences. But I'm going to have to ask you guys to lay down your preferences, lay down your routines, lay down all of those bad habits that you have just in order for us to preserve the unity of faith. So right here, the Bible has an answer, and he's been given to us for 2,000 years of how we can break these bad routines, how we can break these strongholds in our lives. And he gives it to us right in the foremost of this chapter. Paul tells us how we can break habits in our lives. And the first one is from this one phrase, dear brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. How do I break a habit that I have formed in my life? The answer is in mercy. The answer is in the forgiveness of your sins. You have to ask yourself the question, do I believe that I'm forgiven? Do I believe that I'm forgiven? Because I think a lot of you will say, uh, well, I, I think God forgives, but I think God forgives me most of the time. I think God will forgive me often. Like, you've got to stop putting a comma where God put the period. Like, God forgives you. That's it. Like, Jesus talks about his forgiveness. They ask him, how many times do I forgive? Jesus says, forgive him 70 times 7. Right? And then, and then Jesus, at the night that he was betrayed, when, Jesus, when Judas was about to betray him, Jesus offered up the wine and he said, This is my blood of the covenant that I have poured out for you. For what? The forgiveness of sins. Amen. Do you earnestly believe, people, that God has forgiven you? That despite what you have done and despite what you will do, God forgives you. That's his mercy. The word mercy here, the Hebrew translation from the word mercy, comes from God's covenantal love to his people. And then how the Greek would uh, understand this word is that they would see the word mercy and they would see God's steadfast pity for his people. That God had so much pity for his people who were in their sin, sent his son to die. That's God's mercy. 
that despite who you are and despite what you've done, friends, there's nothing too small and too big that God cannot forgive. And you have to ask yourself that question. Do you earnestly believe that God can forgive you? Because if you can have a right view of God's mercy, then you can experience freedom in your life. So think about that word mercy. It's to care for, it's to have pity on someone who's in desperate need. So in the context here, this has huge implications to the early church. So not only is this mercy something that we have received, but this is something Paul is urging them to show the mercy to others. That mercy that God has imparted into you, you show that mercy to other people. You show that, that pity, that compassion to other people who are in desperate need. How do I overcome a bad habit in my life? Well, I've got to view God's forgiveness, that God has forgiven me. I have to have a right view of his mercy for me. Like, think about that habit that you have. Like, think about it. Think about the habit that you have that you need to break. Think about that habit. Like, maybe you even write it down. There's power putting your words on pen and paper, right? Here's the second thing. And, like, some of this I didn't make up. I just stole right from the handbook from Celebrate Recovery. The second thing that how we can overcome habits in our life, well, we have to evaluate ourselves. Look at, look at this, uh, this word. Do not be, I didn't know if like somebody got the Holy Ghost over there, like charismatic service broke out or, okay, that's just kidding. All right, uh, l- listen to verse, this verse right here. Do not be conformed. You know what that word conform means? It means that you have a tight fit on something. You ever wore shoes that were too tight for your feet, but you just had to make them work? I ain't never done that because I'm not walking around like I got some kind of stiff leg or something going on. Okay, that was weird. Um, think about that. Do not be conformed because when you're conformed to the patterns of this world, you are in something that's uncomfortable. You are in something that was not designed for you to be in. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. So here's what you got to do. You got to evaluate. Are you being honest about the negative habits that you have? Celebrate recovery, their fourth step. Their fourth step in celebrate recovery. And we, we, we talked through these steps. Uh, speaking of celebrate recovery, you should come every Thursday, 630. It's a pretty cool thing. And I'll, I'll see you there. Willie will see you there. And well, he won't see you there, but he'll know you're there. Um, many of us Help us today, God. (laughs) Let me get back to the uh, point here, people. I love you, Willie. Silver. The fourth, fourth step. Listen to this. This is powerful. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of who? That's it, Willie. Not of somebody else. Because that's what we're really good at. But we've got to start digging in the trenches of our own lives and evaluate where we are. Now, a lot of us think that, well, I don't really have a bad habit. Because you think a bad habit is like the common habits that we always talk about or that culture always talks about. Well, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I'm not, 
Uh, I'm not like some sexually uh, addicted person, but, but let's talk about some other habits that you may have. Maybe you're just always, always cynical. You never see the good in anything. Well, I'm just a realist. You know, you're a negative person in disguise. That's what you are. Anybody willing to admit they're a realist? One person, two people. <laughs> Gossip, that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. Gossip is something that will not only destroy you, but it will destroy an entire community. You know how many churches I've seen destroyed because a pastor was drinking? I've never, never. Now, there probably has been. You know how many churches I've seen destroyed because of gossip? Tons. That's a bad habit that some of you have that you need to break. Cynicism, gossip, you can be, and you can be addicted to thinking too much of yourself. These are the patterns that you are being conformed to that are not of the kingdom of God, but they are of this age, this world. And so what Paul here is saying is like, hey, you, you, you are stepping into some bounds that's not even who you are. It's not even who God designed you to be. Like God didn't design you to be a gossiper. God didn't design you to be too cynical. God didn't design you to be such a negative Nelly. That's not God's design for you. So what we have to do and what we teach at Celebrate Recovery every week is that we do an evaluation of our own selves, of our lives. David would say, God, search me, know me, know my heart, search my heart, God. Evaluate. How do I break the bad habits in my life? I've got to be extremely honest about where I'm at. And I have to evaluate. Here's the third thing. Uh, go back to verse 2. You present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So here's what you got to do. You ready for this? Do the work. I'm not trying to make us a legalistic church. Because now, Pastor, you know, it's just about God's grace, grace, grace. And I know a lot of people will say that. And yes, praise God for his grace. But don't be lazy. God didn't call you to be lazy, honey. You've got to do the work. There are, there's this idea called keystone habit concept. And it says that if you take one positive habit, that it will, this is what research says, that it will take down or destroy three or four bad habits. Amen. So one keystone, one positive habit. You want to know what a good positive habit is? Bro, did you study my notes? Reading your Bible. <laughs> Pastor Jude just told you a keystone habit that you need in your life. And research will tell you that if you study your Bible, you'll get closer to God. Amen. I just made that research of it. I think it works because it's worked in my own life. Study the Bible. That's why we're doing Lent. So you'll stop something that you're doing and replace it with a keystone concept. Studying the scripture. Here's another good one that you all did great today. Come to church. 
as he's leaving the church. <laughs> Keystones, like, like praying, that's a good one. How about some of you parents make your kids not bring their cell phones or tablets in their bedrooms? How about, somebody got the Holy Ghost right here. How about, how about you, parents, and that, I don't know how I feel about this. How about you leave your phone in the kitchen at night? I know some of you are thinking, well, that's my alarm. You know what they created a few years ago? Alarm clocks. It's this thing you press, you hold down, you press the button, 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 button. Bam, you got an alarm clock. These are keystone things. These are positive things that will help you break. So here's what, here's what Paul says, verse 2. Present your bodies. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the work. You can't do this if you're not willing to put in the work. Just a couple more, and I'll be at your way. Uh, here's the other one. You cannot do this alone. Look at verse 5. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, NIV translation gives us this right here because it's a little stronger in, in what they're suggesting. NIV says each member belongs to all the others. That's pretty strong. The prophet group, the Lumineers, they got it right. I belong to you. You belong to me. It's a good song. Some of you are like, I don't know that song. That's a good band. You guys should listen to them, right? I belong to you. I won't sing it anymore. Anyway, it's a good, it's a good song. It's a really good song. They got it right. Here's, here's what you have to realize. That whatever that habit is that you have, I don't know many people who've been able to break something bad in their life who've done it by themselves. Because that's not the life that God designed for you. God didn't design you to overcome strongholds in your life by yourself. That's why, man, I keep, I got to push it again. That's why we do Celebrate Recovery. So that you don't have to overcome that bad habit in your life by yourself. And again, I just got to press, it's not dr just drugs, it's not just alcohol, it's not just uh, sexual uh, issues, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's you thinking that you have all the control. Co codependence. It's you thinking that you're the savior in every situation. That's a very terrible habit that I have. It's you thinking that you are the stuff and you got it all together. I mean, these are bad habits that need to be broken. And my friends, you can't do this by yourself. God didn't call us to live on the Isle of Loneliness. He's called us for community. This is why, like, I've been pressing, like, almost every sermon I've had for the past few weeks, small groups. Like, start a small group. Join a small group. Like, help us in this endeavor so that we can build stronger community together. 
And the reason isn't just so we can look at our metric system and say, oh, well, look how many small groups we planned. We started this year, church. We're so strong and we're so healthy. No, it's because some of you are doing life by yourself. And you'll die doing it by yourself. Here's, here's verse 6. How do I break the bad habits? Then I've got to get those good habits that God's given me and use them for the good. Listen to what he says. According to the grace given to us, we all have different gifts. And he, he lists a few of them. He said, well, if it's prophecy, then according to the proportions of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, then teach. If exhorting, then exhortation. If giving, then give generously. If leading, then do it with diligence. Then showing mercy, then do it with chillfulness. Like, wouldn't you love, like, walking into school or walking into your job if somebody had the gift of giving, just hand you a $100 bill? Only like five of you got excited about that. Maybe you ain't in my tax bracket. Bro, I need somebody who's got the gift of being a giver to be generous. If that's your gift, then do it. Like, what would our world look like if all of us, if we were operating in the gifts that God has given us? I can tell you what it would look like. It could look like this church. Because many of you, I just got to commend so many of you because many of you are doing that very thing. Amen. Like maybe you have jumped on the project uh, of rebuilding this house that we have. Many of you jump in on Celebrate Recovery. Now, now we need a lot more of you to jump in on Celebrate Recovery, but we've got guys who are exercising their gifts and using it in Celebrate Recovery. God has given every single one of you a gift. And it may be a visible gift, or it may be an invisible gift. But use them for God's good. Use it for how? What do you use it for? You build the church. So your gift isn't just so you can look better. Like, that's not the reason why God gives you a gift. God doesn't gift you as maybe a gifted communicator, as maybe a leader, or maybe he doesn't gift you with the gift of being a giver or whatever that is. God doesn't do that just so he could build up your name and your profile. He's doing that for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. So here's, here's what Paul's doing here. He's pulling these ideas together. You want to break? You got to break these bad habits, church. So use these gifts to bring everybody together. Your gifts and the tools are tools that God gives you. And the tools that God gives you are not meant to beat down other people, but the tools that God gives you are to build the church. That's your gift. You got to learn to take what God has given you and use it. Man, that's, that's, a, key, that's a keystone habit right there. And then here's, here's this... Here's this last one that I'll give, and I'll, and I'll close here. This last one that I think is just so remarkable, and this is something that this is really, I would just say, in my opinion, the theme of Celebrate Recovery. You have to come to, you have to, come to this 
realization in your life that you just have to surrender. You have to come to the realization that you can't do it in your own power, but uh, what we say, that higher power is Jesus. Uh, You have to come to the realization that through him and only him, surrendering to him, that's how you'll find freedom. That's how you'll find true deliverance. This is what Matthew chapter 16 says in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, listen to this, this is strong, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For if you want to save your life, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever, Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. You have to surrender your bad habits to Jesus because that's ultimately the only thing that's going to give you the freedom that you need is a complete surrender of your will, a complete surrender of your mind, surrender to Christ. I asked some of you to write down, I asked you to write down that bad habit that you have. I don't know if you did or not, but maybe you still got it locked in your mind. Think about that bad habit that you need to lay before the feet of Christ. God says, listen, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Those things that have a stronghold over your life, you've got to lay them down. You want to follow after Christ, man, you've got to lay those things down and follow him with everything you have. Because those bad habits that you have in your life, they're only keeping you from your purpose. They're only keeping you from the design that God has for you. Why would we want to spend the rest of our lives living in the conformed way of life in 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 a way that doesn't even fit us when we can taste and experience the freedom, so much freedom that Christ has for us? And the only thing that he's asking from us this morning, my friends, is will you surrender? That's it. I'm not asking you to come down and and, and say a prayer and repeat after me. I'm just asking you, what do you need to surrender to Christ? I'm just asking a question. Maybe you just need to say, God, I surrender. I surrender. Maybe it's that habit. Maybe you need to insert that habit there. God, I surrender this over to you. Perhaps it's your life that you need to surrender. Like now is that time. Paul here is drawing us back from all of this deep, rich theology that he's, just, that he's just kind of placed before the church of Rome over the past 11 chapters of how magnificent and how great our God is that he would come to forgive us while we were yet sinners. And the step that you take is, will you surrender to him? Will you surrender to him? Will you surrender your life? Will you surrender that bad habit that you have? Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.